as hell and I wanna get ill So I go to a place where my homeboys chill Fellas out there trying to make that dollar I pulled up in the 6-4 Impala Alright everyone, welcome to the newest episode of the Bored as Hell podcast. I'm Adam McDonald with Big Shiny Robot. And I am Andy Wilson, a.k.a. Citizen Bot from Big Shiny Robots. And we are here this week to discuss a actually about four four movies with you. Uh, first up is Max, uh, which I did not get a chance to see, but I know you saw it. So what? What I know it's about the the dog with PTSD, but that's about all I know. Yeah, that that's basically everything you have to know about about this movie. It is a mess, uh, and the real problem is this movie doesn't really know what it wants to be. There's part of it. The the very beginning uh, centers on Robbie Amell playing uh, the dog's handler. Uh, Who is Robbie the Amell. brother of Stephen Amell, correct? Stephen Amell from uh, from Arrow, Arrow and yeah. he's also been on The Flash, and he's going to be on the upcoming uh, Legends of Tomorrow show. So, uh, pro- possibly a familiar face to geeks, and he actually does a really good job as Max's handler. And they're in Afghanistan, and Max is helping them track down weapons and uh, and keeping them safe. And then there's an ambush, and Robbie Amell is killed, and Max has doggy PTSD and goes home with with the body of his fallen handler and uh, is left to be taken care of by uh, his his handler's family. Mm-hmm. Uh, with dad played by. Thomas Hayden Church and mom played by Lauren Graham from Gilmore Girls. Okay. And then uh, the his main younger brother uh, played by Josh Wiggins, who is not someone who I'm familiar with, but he does fine here. And he's kind of a misfit. His his dad's a tough, overbearing Marine sergeant, and he doesn't really want anything to do with the military. And he's sad about his brother, but he'd rather just play computer games and ride his bike and then a bond forms between him and this misfit dog. And then the movie takes a really weird turn and suddenly there's another Marine from his older brother's uh, platoon who's, who's back and he's selling stolen weapons from the Taliban to Mexican drug cartels. And like, like you do. Yeah. Like you do. And, and of course Max and uh, the brother are the only ones who can, stop them and it's just ridiculous you know there's you can have a cute movie about a boy and his dog and growing up and misfits learning to be with one another you can have a movie about uh, military dogs and the work that they do but this movie doesn't really seem to know what it is so this movie just devolves into a mess and it can't decide what it is or what it wants to be. There was a chance where this could have been a really great movie about military dogs and their handlers and the heroic work that they do. Mm-hmm. This could have been a good movie about a boy and his dog growing up and intertwining those two. But this whole tacked on Scooby-Doo Hardy Boys mystery just got so ridiculous. And you know, as much as Robbie Amell and Lauren Graham try to elevate this material, it just has nowhere to go. 
It almost so, sounds like a bad after-school special on PBS. It, it really was. Uh, and there's a lot of very heavy-handed after-school special type messages in here. And it just doesn't work. And Thomas Hayden Church just is incredibly wooden. He, I don't know whether he's phoning it in or if he just is confused about what to do with this script because there's not a lot there. So yeah, I, I was not impressed two and a half out of 10. Oh, wow. That's, that's, I know um, some of the, the other critics up here have been lambasting it or, you know, dreading going to the screen to see it, but um, wow, that's, that's, that's not good at all. <laughs> yeah. It just, I, I could forgive a lot from this movie, but it just, it can't figure out what, what it wants to be. And this seems like, a formula that should have been harder to screw up. And I don't know how this got a June release date and who decided to release it, but uh, it's doing okay. Uh, according to the, the box office, it was incredibly cheap to make and is probably going to make its money back. And, and the, mm-hmm. the distributors are like, well, it's making money in the Midwest and the South. So, Obviously, if you're a true American patriot, then you're going to see the Max movie. Yeah, I mean, uh, it's, it's been open for this is the second weekend or the first weekend, and it's made twelve million, so yeah. it'll probably hit uh, fourth of the box office, but definitely not a, a a strong opening compared to anything else. So, yep, cool. Well, uh, moving on to a better movie <laughs> was uh, Me and Earl and the Dying Girl. So this premiered at Sundance this year. Uh, I didn't get to see it then, but I didn't see it last week. Uh, it, it won everything. It won the audience award. It won the grand the grand jury award. It, it was it was just the biggest hit of the of the year. There, um, people I talked to who saw it, you know, said they gave it standing ovations. Uh, it was just it blew up Sundance. So it was good to see that it was picked up and released by I think it's Fox Searchlight, I believe. I'll have to double check. Um, but it's directed by Alfonso Gomez Rejon. Uh, you may have known him. For some of his early work on the first couple seasons of Glee, also uh, American Horror Story. His only really big uh, screen movie he's done before this was The Town That Dreaded Sundown, which I've heard good things about but haven't quite seen yet. But Me and Earl and the Dying Girl, uh, it's pretty straightforward. It's about a young man by the name of Greg, who's played by Thomas Mann. He's in his senior year of high school, and like most gangly high school seniors who's just trying to get by and graduate, he's trying to kind of fit in everywhere, but doesn't fit in with everyone. So he's friends with the jocks, friends with the stoners, with the goth kids, with everyone else. But he purposely makes sure that you know he doesn't actually take sides and just kind of sneaks through life. Um, his best friend, Earl, who's played by R.J. Seiler and him, both are huge film nuts. They've been watching films since they were kids. And what they like to do is, is take these movies and recreate them themselves and make really crappy fan films. <clears throat> so like they'll do uh, Clockwork Orange and call it Shockwork Orange. They react with like sock puppets and stuff. So they're film <laughs> lovers. Yeah, it's 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 kind of funny. It's it's That's fun. Uh, they do a lot of really obscure um, foreign films as well. So if you're a film lover, you'll see a lot of stuff in there you like. Uh, if you're a pretentious film lover, lover, you'll know all of them. Uh, one day though, his mom approaches him, who's played by Connie Britton, and tells him that uh, one of his classmates, Rachel, who's played by Olivia Cook, who is absolutely fantastic in this role, um, is that she has come down with cancer and it's leukemia. Uh, the prognosis isn't good, and to basically be a nice person, he should go hang out with her. So he goes over, hangs out for a little bit, and reluctantly at first, but as they get to know each other more and more, and she goes through chemotherapy, 
and really starts to face this disease, uh, they become really good friends. Uh, and it's really refreshing to see in this movie that they don't become, it's not a fault in our stars. It's not, oh, big, huge love story and blah, 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 this and that. Uh, it's kind of like fault in our stars uh, meets the humor of maybe Scott Pilgrim. Because it's very, you know, this, they specifically say many times, this is not a lovey-dovey romance, this and that. And, um, so it was really, really cool to see that. But uh, as, you know, Rachel gets sicker and sicker, Greg and Earl decide they're going to make uh, a fan film for her because she loves their movies they've done. Uh, so it's kind of like a race against the clock to see if he'll be able to make this film and present it to her before she dies. If she does die, if she gets better, um, I'll kind of leave that to go for those who go to see the movie. But uh, outstanding movie. I like. I liked it a lot. It's The acting's great. It's all about these kids. And like I said, Olivia Cook is just utterly fantastic as this, this young teenager who's dealing with cancer. R.J. Seiler is the smart-ass friend. Uh, and then Thomas Mann, of course, is Greg. He pulls it off. He makes you believe in his character. Uh, he seems very realistic, very true. But yeah, overall, well-acted, well-scripted. Great movie. It does get a little bit pretentious as far as with like, the, like, the film stuff. You can definitely have, you definitely feel it was a Sundance movie. Like, it, was, it was released for that kind of audience. And that does, you know, shine through a bit. But uh, in no way does it really detract from the experience. Uh, it's a great movie, so highly recommend it. Uh, eight out of ten. A movie about movies doing well with a movie crowd. <laughs> exactly. Although I, the, the real problem I see with this movie and Paper Towns and uh, Fault in Our Stars, we really need a new genre name for these kind of tearjerker, teen dramedy something. Like there were the Brat Pack movies from the 80s. We need to have like a subgenre mm-hmm. of like movies that'll make you cry that are for people who are like teenagers now. Yeah. And I think this, uh, I, don't, I don't even know if I would say this is, I mean, it's a PG-13 movie. So the, the target audience definitely is that, that teenage group, but I don't see it as appealing just to teenagers. It's, it's definitely something that everyone can go enjoy. Um, just as someone who appreciates film and sees what they do, with the movies they make and just the, the fun they're having with it uh, really stands out uh, without, you know, it's, it's a little bit of pretentious sometimes, but not horribly. Uh, but yeah, definitely it's, it's again, Fault in Our Stars. It's that kind of genre film that uh, obviously teen girls will go love. And uh, like I said, I think everyone else, everyone else, everyone else should go see this and like it too. Final rating? Uh, final rating, eight out of 10. Very good. So a bit of a step up from Max. <laughs> yeah. Uh, also a step up from Max was a, another movie that I was able to see this week uh, called The Overnight, which also played at Sundance. Uh, the Overnight stars Adam Scott from Parks and Recreation and Taylor Schilling and Jason Schwartzman from all of your favorite indie movies. Um, everything. <laughs> everything. This is an adult, adult adult movie uh oh, they were talking about this on the radio the other day where he's like it's, it's the, the the naked movie yeah it is it is very naked and there's lots of uh fake dog lot, yeah it, <laughs> <laughs> i was trying to think of a, a, a classy way to say that but yeah <laughs> just, uh, just gotta uh, come out and say it fake dong <laughs> prosthetic penises um so yes this is this is a, a fairly fun movie and it starts off with a scene of Adam Scott and Taylor Schilling, Schilling um, having marital coitus 
only to be very much interrupted by their young son. <laughs> uh, like as is the case in most marriages, it seems. So there's a lot in here about the the dysfunction of marriage and the uh, and how you deal with with sex and sexuality. Uh, but later on that day, as they're out at the park, they've just moved from Seattle to Los Angeles and are looking to make friends and looking for their son to make friends. Their son hits it off with another kid in the park, and his dad, Jason Schwartzman, comes over and starts talking to them. They kind of hit it off, invite them over for a pizza night and so the kids can have a play date. And as the kids have a play date and then end up going to bed, then the parents kind of have a play date. Um, there's definitely a kind of weird swinger vibe going on, and they don't really know exactly what's going on with these crazy Californians. So we're right along for the ride with Adam Scott and Taylor Schilling trying mm-hmm. to figure out what's going on here. And uh, it's it's funny. Um, it's It's very sexual. It's very interesting. And there's a lot to be explored here about the nature of, yeah, sex and marriage and uh, bisexuality and and pushes a lot of boundaries. Mm-hmm. And, and yeah, and there's, there's a lot of fake wieners in this movie, too. So, <laughs> uh, if you want to see uh, fake wieners on Adam Scott and Jason Schwartzman, this is your movie. Uh, otherwise, it, th- I feel like this is kind of a niche movie. For certain people who might enjoy it, but overall, I, I gave it a six out of ten. It's definitely enjoyable. I enjoyed it. It was funny. It's it's that kind of awkward humor it, where it's not a lot of jokes, but it's like, <laughs> oh, that's awkward. <laughs> oh, okay, that's so kind of where you're embarrassed for the people exactly for them. Yeah, yeah. So uh, although there there are some jokes, and uh, of course. You know, someone like Adam Scott is able to pull that off. Who's able to do that? Uh, that understated humor very well. And I, oh, and I should mention that the executive producers on this are the Duplass brothers. So that whole genre of mumblecore that they have kind of invented mm-hmm. and reinvented. If you're a fan of that, this is right up your alley. Cool. So again, like you said, very very niche movie. Uh, genre fans only apply. Otherwise, probably just wait for a DVD or Blu-ray. Yeah, absolutely. All right. Well, the last movie we want to talk about is the, the big release for this week, uh, Ted Two. The foul-mouthed teddy bear is back. Ted Two is created by obviously Seth MacFarlane, who is famous from Family Guy. And in this outing, uh, it takes place a few years after the end of the first movie. Uh, Ted's got married. Uh, John, played by Mark Wahlberg, has gotten divorced, and Ted decides he wants to, with his uh, bride, adopt a child, because obviously he can't make a child. He's a teddy bear. Well, as he files for his adoption papers, they find out that because he's a teddy bear, he technically isn't a person, so he doesn't have any rights. So the story then proceeds with the court case where they uh, hire old bug eyes, Amanda Seyfried herself, and as their pro bono lawyer to start this trial and make the case that Ted is indeed a human being and should be allowed the same rights as everyone else. Unfortunately for them, Donnie, uh, Giovanni Ribisi from the first movie is back and he's working for Hasbro and cooks up an evil plan with one of the, the board members or the CEO of Hasbro was never like said, I don't think. No. 
to again kidnap Ted and try to find out what makes him alive, and then therefore generate a million Ted's for kids across the world, and everyone becomes billionaires. So that's that's pretty much the the plot in a nutshell. I mean, this movie doesn't really exist to have a plot. It's more just to kind of get the jokes from point A to point B. Now, I have no clue what you thought about this movie because we didn't even talk about it first. No. So why don't you, you, you take the lead and then I'll kind of follow up from there. I think that this movie kind of collapses under the weight of its own plot. The, mm-hmm. the, the string of jokes are very funny. And if you're a fan of Seth MacFarlane's humor, you're going to enjoy it. That being said, I, I am a self-professed fan of Seth MacFarlane he's recycling a lot of his own material Mm -hmm. in this movie. Specifically, he recreates an entire sequence from It's a Trap, the Return of the Jedi spoof that they did on Family Guy, which was a recreation of a scene in Planes, Trains, and Automobiles Mm -hmm. uh, to begin with. So it's like Seth MacFarlane staring at his own butthole. And it just gets... A little bit tiresome. That being said, uh, I, there's a ton of geek humor in this, and a lot of real geeky Easter eggs. Uh, you mentioned he goes in to adopt, and I don't know if you if you noticed this. Who the adoption agent was, who they spoke with. Uh, I don't remember. No, I, I remember was, obviously I saw them, but yeah, it was Nana Visitor who played Kira Norris on Deep Space Nine. Okay, I'm like, so I'm like, hey, that's Baby <laughs> Kira. And that's like, of course, she looks a little different, but uh, I was like, I know that voice. And and Michael Dorn shows up, and Patrick Warburton shows up. And, <laughs> yeah. Well, spoiler alert. That was like my that was my favorite joke <laughs> in the entire movie when they end up at Comic Con at the end. I won't spoil the rest of it, but. Uh, yeah, yeah, there's some there's some fun there, and of course, because it's Seth MacFarlane, there are lavish musical numbers. So, I I I wanted to really like this movie, but they try and go into this whole area of exploring, like, does Ted have a soul? Is Ted a person? And those courtroom scenes were just dumb. And oh, yeah. one thing that Seth MacFarlane has never been good at is really smart political satire that takes on these big issues. Stuff like that would have to be dealt by with someone like a Stephen Colbert or a John Oliver or even The Simpsons does it better. Or Trey Parker and Matt Stone. Or, or Trey Parker and Matt Stone. Perfect examples. And they're able to slice through a lot of the BS and just get straight to the heart of the matter. And what could have been an interesting reflection about rights and civil rights, just he he couldn't he couldn't he do. It turns into a fart joke. Yeah, it does turn into. And okay, and one more thing, Seth MacFarlane, you can rip off Revenge of the Nerds, and you can rip off. The Breakfast Club. Don't do them both at the same time because it's like <laughs> worlds are colliding and my 80s brain is exploding. I can't take that much yeah. 80s self-reference at once. So there you go. Yeah, it's um, and I, I'm in full agreement as far as with the recycled jokes. I mean, there's, a, there's a couple scenes that are ripped off shot by shot from Family Guy. Like, yeah. there's, there's a certain scene in a, in a 
a sperm bank that, uh, yeah, if you've seen Family Guy, you know what's going to happen. Yep. So, like I said, it's South, it's Seth MacFarlane kind of stealing jokes from himself. And as far as jokes go, like, I'm, I love the first Ted. Uh, it's one of my favorite yeah. comedies. I had so much fun with it. Uh, it was a, it was a cool it was a new and fun idea to see a potty mouth teddy bear because that just that's hilarious. Um, I didn't find this movie funny at all. I, I laughed maybe three times. I counted. Uh, I, I I wanted to like it because uh, it is it is just more of the same. I mean, if you like Ted, you should like Ted too. And I think most people out there who who did see the first one will have fun with this. But uh, for whatever reason, I just I didn't find it funny. I thought the jokes fell flat. Uh, they were recycled. Man- Amanda Seyfried's fine, but she was she really bugged me in this one. Uh, Mark Wahlberg can cuss a lot, and they all make a bunch of pot jokes. It just it, it nothing worked for me. It, it, there were some cool geek references, like you mentioned, but when they go to New York Comic Con in the end, I I kind of felt it was more making fun of geeks and like it wasn't it, it seemed mean spirited. It wasn't a fun or hey we're laughing with you. It was more of a hey we're laughing at you type thing, and I, I don't really care. That's but I'm not offended by any means because. I don't get offended at anything, but Family Guy, the way Family Guy does too, it has a tendency to take some jokes and go from, <clears throat> and push them into that mean-spirited, kind of snide, it takes it too far sometimes. And I don't mean yeah. that the humor goes too far, but it takes to a point where it's just not funny because you're being stupid. You're, you're being an ass, and it's it's moved past comedy. And I think a lot of this movie does that. So I, I was not a fan. That being said, I think a lot of people will like it, uh, but it just it wasn't for me. Yeah, just left felt like kind of middling. I I liked the first movie, but I ended up right down the middle, five out of ten. <clears throat> and see, I'm only giving it a three. I I was really? not a fan. Oh. Uh, yeah, if it, if if there was <clears throat> one, there's two really good Gollum jokes from Lord of the Rings, and I did laugh really really hard those two jokes. Uh, so keep an eye out for those. But uh, aside from that, it's I. I well, I wouldn't even recommend renting it. It's, it exists. If, you, if you're if you a huge uh, Family Guy fan, you'll love it. But I just I couldn't get into it. Well, I would just say go watch all of those episodes of Family Guy that they ripped off those jokes from. And you'd probably have more fun in that hour and a half than than watching this movie. Yeah, it's also too long. Uh, it's, again, he needs oh, yeah. an editor. It's, it's a good, uh, gosh, how long is this one? It's almost two hours. It's like 111 minutes. Yeah, and you know, movies, comedies especially, well, they wear thin after about an hour and a half. Uh, it's you, you, even with the, the most hilarious comedy out there, like Spy or Bridesmaids or you know those those types of things. You know, after a while, the it starts wearing thin because you've heard you, you just can't laugh anymore. You kind of it's out of you now. Um, but yeah, it's it's definitely felt a little bit too long and. I was checking my watch the last 15 minutes to see when I was going to get out. Yeah, it it definitely suffers from some fatigue. There was an interesting article in Variety where because of Ted 2's lackluster box office performance, making about 40% of what the original Ted did, uh, because in my opinion, it's about 40% of the original movie in terms of quality. Uh, but they ask, are, are R-rated comedies going stale? Are they out of style? And they pointed to several other movies that have not performed as well, Spy being one of them. And I'm like, no, it's just audiences actually know that like these movies aren't as good. Like I looked at the ads for Ted 2, and I'm like, well, that looks kind of amusing, but it's mm-hmm. not. It's not that appealing to me 
and and they ruin some of the funniest jokes in the movie in those ads by revealing them. So it's yeah, like, it's a uh, that's that's one thing too is movies that you know obviously the director has no control over what goes into a trailer, but when you show the best parts in the trailer, there's nothing to look forward to in the actual movie. Yeah, and it's, you know already move already comedy is not doing well. I mean, the first Ted is the highest grossing already comedy comedy of all time. Well, it's up there. It was at the highest grossing opening weekend, I believe. Yeah. Because uh, you know, we're still beat it, but I, there's still a market for it. But it, again, it depends on the marketing, and I, everything's still kind of running from Jurassic World, which is just, just still destroying, <laughs> destroying the world, is eating all the records. So um, I'm sure that didn't help it that much either. It's destroying everything but Inside Out, which is like almost keeping pace with it. Completely yeah. different audiences, and I think, and that's now. Uh, I know that was the biggest opening weekend for Pixar and this is a huge second weekend for them. So mm-hmm. that's, that's gotta be up there in terms of how much money this is making for them. It's great. Yeah. Um, and, and Ted two will do fine. It'll, it'll make its money back and it'll I'm do sure. well on DVD and Blu-ray. So uh, I'm sure there'll be a Ted three, you know? Yeah. And in a, which will probably be 100% recycled family guy jokes. So, yeah. Uh, but in a couple weeks we're going to get, um, the new Judd Apatow movie Trainwreck with Amy Schumer and mm-hmm. Bill Hader, which I'm looking forward to. Uh, that looks that looks like a funny R-rated comedy. And then uh, and then in about a month we're getting the reboot of National Lampoon's Vacation, which I'm excited for. Which also <laughs> looks fairly funny, even as a reboot with or a sequel sort of movie. I think there's something there that at least is somewhat original and funny. They're, they're making me want to see those. And what's actually, this is kind of an interesting topic, uh, was, you know, there were trailers before the movies, obviously, and it was, it was a green band trailer, so it was a trailer that was for appropriate ages by mm-hmm. the MPAA. Um, but I've never heard a movie trailer drop the words asshole and shit before without mm-hmm. being red band. So it was, it was an all-ages trailer. Obviously, it was playing in front of a, an R-rated movie, but yeah, they were they're getting away with a little bit more in trailers than I'm used to. So that was kind of an interesting concept. Well, that is a cool concept. I, I they'll probably doing that only for uh, green band trailers in front of R-rated movies. But and that makes sense. But hey, it that works. I was sitting there. It was they they were showing a trailer for The Martian, which is the the new Matt Damon movie. And he's like, I'm going to science the shit out of this. I'm like, whoa, what did you just say, <laughs> <laughs> Mr. Damon? <laughs> Now you had a really interesting article. I'll say interesting because I didn't think it was that much of a good article uh, yeah. from Time Magazine about was it the top ten movies of all time or the year? Uh, you you texted me about this the other day. I don't remember what it was. Yeah. So Time, since they're like, well, we're halfway through the year, so let's let's run down what we feel are the top ten movies of the year so far, and. This was just an awful list. I mean, they have some good movies on here, but most of them are just... So, here's what they had. Mad Max Fury Road. Yes, absolutely. Now, is this from 10 to 1, or is this 1 uh, No, this is this is in no particular order. They oh, don't okay. rank. So, Mad Max Fury Road. Okay. It, it follows. Yeah. Far, far from the maddening crowd. Uh, Love and Mercy, which I kind of liked. I Furious, like too, yeah. yeah. Furious 7. Mm-hmm. Ex Machina, which I thought was yes, great. That's excellent. Uh, Clouds of Sils Maria uh, with uh, old Kristen Stewart from Twilight and, and Juliette Binoche. 
You know, Kristen um, Stewart always looks like she sets in dog poop. <laughs> she smells like nasty around her. Yeah, it, it might be herself. Supposedly, she doesn't bathe very much. Ew. Anyway, uh, welcome to me, the Kristen Wiig movie uh, about her winning the lottery and setting up her own uh, reality TV show. Mm-hmm. Um, dope, which I kind of liked, but I don't know. It deserves that much lauding. Me and Earl and the Dying Girl. Which, which was good, so yeah. We just talked about. And then this, The Boy Next Door with uh, the uh, yeah, J-Lo, J-Lo movie. What the J-Lo hell? in love with her teenage neighbor who I – this is the God-honest truth. He gives her a quote-unquote first edition of the Iliad because he knows she <laughs> loves Homer and Greek poetry. <laughs> Oh my god. One of the stupidest movies I've seen all year and just I can't believe it. Anyway. Are they uh, are they writing time from Denver now? Because they had to have been high to come up with that list. <laughs> I think so. So like there's a couple of those that I thought were good. So I thought, you know, we are halfway through the year. So let's run down quickly what we think uh are the top movies of the year so far. And essentially I'm at the point where I'm like you know, we're halfway through the year, so probably only like the top half of these would end up on any sort of year-end list. Mm-hmm. Um, do you want to go first, or do you want me to yeah, go first? Yeah, I'll, I'll get really fast. So I, okay. I'm, I have a top five, I guess you would say, just because there's been a lot of good movies, but these are the ones that really stuck out. Uh, and I'm sure I, I'm, I've forgotten some because I've seen so many movies this year. But uh, do I think any of these have a chance that, you know, Oscar-winning stuff? I can see some for... Uh, Maybe best animated movie, uh, best special effects, maybe some some writing, but I don't know so much that we'll see them come around again for the big categories. For me, uh, number five was Chappie, uh, Neil Blomkamp's third movie. Uh, I love his work. He's always done a great job. Chappie was just a lot of fun, had some really great ideas, and I, I again, I'm in the minority, but I absolutely loved it. Uh, number four, Ex Machina. Uh, great, I think, about artificial intelligence. Uh, it gave us a glimpse of, I think, the future. I could easily see in 10 years that's having uh, robots or androids kind of like those in the movie. So love that one. Uh, number three is Kingsman. Kingsman was fantastic. Yes. It's one of the, it's some of the most fun you'll have in a movie ever. Uh, everyone I know has bought it, loved it. I have I've yet to find one person who didn't have fun with it. Great performances. It's funny. It's witty. It's over the top bloody. Uh, there's a great princess joke at the end. Yep. So everyone everyone just loves it. Just if you haven't seen it, by all means, go out there right now, just buy it, you'll thank me later. Yep. Uh, number two, Inside Out. Uh, like we said last week, it's Pixar's Return to Form. Fantastic movie. Uh, great idea. It's like it's like Psych 101 in a two-hour movie. Uh, it's colorful, it's great. Uh, it's it's just amazing. I, I can't say enough good things about it. Uh, but my number one movie so far this year has to be Mad Max Fury Road. I, I've not had an experience like that in the theaters. Uh, I don't know if I've ever had an experience like that. It's I, After two hours of that movie, you walked out. My eyes hurt. I was tired. I couldn't sleep the next that night. Uh, I kept on thinking about it. Nothing's grabbed me so much and just by the throat and just took me for this amazing ride uh, in, in a long, long time. So, uh, again, Mad Max... If you have to see it in theaters. It's definitely an experience you've got to see on the big screen. Uh, go out there right now and see it if you haven't. Yeah, absolutely. And and my our top five is actually pretty similar. Uh, oh, really? I, 
yeah, I also had as my number one Mad Max Fury Road. Uh, can't say enough great things about that. Two, Inside Out, um, all the feels. And I, I forgot to mention when we reviewed this how much I am in love with Lava, the short that plays before that. And I just, I, I can't get enough of that. As much as I love Inside Out, I love Lava even more. Really? Uh, yeah. I, oh. I just, I, I downloaded that song and I play it and it's like my chill out music to like make me feel better about the world. And see, I, I liked it, but I, did, I guess I didn't like it that much. I mean, it, was, it was cute. It was fun. I didn't think it was at the same level as say the feast, <clears throat> which is one oh, of the most fantastic animated shorts that makes me cry every time I watch it. Yeah, uh, but it was fun though. But yeah, that's that's really interesting. I didn't know you liked it that much. Yeah, I really loved Lava. Uh, and then uh, three Ex Machina. Um, I, I also thought this had a lot to say about uh, patriarchy and control and men and women and the future where we're going mm-hmm. to have sex with robots. So, hey, they've already got a, a, a machine with VR for Oculus Rift. So, oh yeah. So here we go. Uh, and four. <laughs> For Kingsman, Secret Service, everything you said and more. It's just absolutely great. Uh, and then uh, for five, I i had to tie two of them. Um, Love and Mercy, uh, which mm-hmm. I talked about a couple weeks ago, the Brian Wilson movie, and Tomorrowland, which we also talked about a few weeks ago. So, um, yeah, love those. And uh, those are... That's uh, the rest of my top 10 Cinderella dope spy and Avengers age of Ultron. Um, yeah. And, so. and Tomorrowland was, it's right there with me with Chappie. It's kind of going back and forth. Yeah. Cause I mean, again, we, I think we're one of four people who like Tomorrowland based on box office results and, and critic scores. <laughs> I think so. Uh, but yeah, it was, it was a fantastic movie. I just actually got my Mondo poster in the mail yeah, yesterday. So I'm waiting to go get some, uh, a frame and put that up, but nice. yeah, it was, that's yeah, really funny how much our 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 lists kind of match each other because we didn't plan that we we actually just <laughs> first time I heard yours was just now in the air so yeah we didn't we didn't talk about this beforehand so I that's I just think it we really need to find a movie that we disagree oh you know what we disagree on we are going to have to have a whole episode at some point where we argue about Interstellar oh yes that's, because, that would yeah, be fun because <laughs> i hated that and you loved it that was so, yeah, that was my in my top five last year so yeah and that was in my top five least favorite things from <laughs> yes well if you will hopefully soon we'll find something um that you know we'll, we'll disagree on uh, and speaking of stuff soon uh next week we've got uh, magic mike xxl and terminator genesis which takes the terminator series uh, goes back in time and retcons it. So, oh my so, gosh, yeah, the king of the retcons. If you've seen these trailers, oh, uh, I, I, I'm really excited to see this tomorrow, and I, I just can't. I don't know if it's going to be a beautiful disaster or disastrously beautiful or what, but yeah. I, <laughs> bring it on. <laughs> yeah, it's it's. I, I really. Again, we talked about the best stuffs in the trailers of all the movies so far this year. This movie, Terminator Genesis, uh, gives away huge plot points in the trailer, like huge plot twists and things that you you shouldn't you should you shouldn't go in knowing. So I was I was kind of surprised how much they revealed, but yeah. maybe there's more. Uh, I've I kind of kept myself in the dark about this. I don't know. I've not really seen any early reviews, but we will be here to let you know. We will, and and just as another. Uh, 
just FYI, uh, keep an eye on Big Shiny Robot for ticket giveaways. Uh, we're having more and more of those. If you'd like to come see Amy, the new documentary about Amy Winehouse with me in Austin, uh, we've got tickets on Big Shiny Robot uh, to give away for that. Uh, Adam, you were giving away tickets for Terminator. I think mm -hmm. you're probably out now. Do you have any others that are coming up? That uh, so we had Terminator this week, and then we'll be doing Selfless uh, starting on Tuesday. That's the Ben Kingsley turns into uh, Ryan Reynolds movie. So. Ooh. Yeah, whether or not that's going to be any good is anyone's guess, but uh, you don't have to pay for it. You can come with us and see it for free. Yep, that's so definitely do that, and then you can tell all of your friends uh, about how great it was or how awful it was. Yeah, and we'll also be uh, posting links on our our website and also our Facebook. Uh, speaking of which, be sure to check us out on uh, com. also facebook.com slash Podcast, and, of course, on Twitter at Cast. Uh, that's going to do it for this week. Uh, have a nice afternoon, and we'll talk to you later. Again, we leave you from within the shadows of the everlasting hills. May peace be with you this day and always. Hail Satan, and have a lovely afternoon. Punk ass tripping, but it's all right. Homie scored a key. Gonna fly, punk ass fly. The end. And that's the final chapter in the Star Wars saga. What about the prequels? I think the Cleveland show is gonna do those. Uh, Dad, one question. What do you got against Seth Green? I, I just think he's a douche. You got a problem with that? Well, we're all entitled to our own opinion. For example, me, I think Seth MacFarlane's a douche. What's that now? Yeah, I don't like him either. Yeah, me neither. Wait a second. I, I hear he's a pretty nice guy. Yeah, good-looking guy. Talented, young. Talented? He ripped off The Simpsons. Yeah, he watched TV in the 80s. We get it. And he only puts out like 10 new episodes a year. And then he splits those up into five DVD sets. He doesn't make those decisions, Chris. Those decisions are made at the corporate level. But he still takes the money every week. How noble. And doesn't he have a whole staff that writes those episodes anyway? Well, I, w I wouldn't know about that, but I, I think, and I hope, Chris, that ultimately people will just remember the laughter. This was exhausting. This whole experience was absolutely exhausting. You people have ruined Star Trek The Next Generation for me. You are absolutely the most insufferable group of jackasses I have ever had the misfortune of spending an extended period of time with. I hope you all die.